from the campus of Stanford University and on location. This is the Entrepreneur's Radio Show and Podcast, featuring in-depth, one-on-one interviews with purpose-driven entrepreneurs and high-performance game changers committed to extraordinary ideas, preeminence, and multi-generational success. Our radio show and podcast illuminates the struggles, breakthroughs, and exceptional outcomes these game changers bring to industries, organizations, and lives. Hosted by Tom Dioro, principal of Podfather Media. Thank you, Tatum. For our guest today, let's welcome John Briggs, CPA, founder and CEO of Insight Tax and Accounting. John graduated from Brigham Young University with a Master of Accounting in Tax. He's worked on corporate taxes and trusts in Orange County, California with Deloitte & Touche, one of the four largest national accounting firms. Insight Tax and Accounting provides the premier proactive tax and accounting experience to small business owners and individuals. For more information, feel free to visit InsightTax.com. Again, InsightTax.com. John, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm really honored to, to have you on our show today. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is going to be fun. <laughs> John, uh, we talked a little bit before we started the show. Is uh, what, you know, do you have a, a, a mantra, a prayer, a quote that you, you carry with you or maybe even have it? placard on your on your wall somewhere that you use that that you find uh, solace in or reference in just to carry you through the day and make it a as joyous and as productive as possible i actually listen to something called a life vision it identifies five main areas of my life and i've gone through and you write it in a way as if it's already happening but it's for the future and mine at this point in my life, it's about a 16-minute listen. I, it goes through all the many areas of my life that I feel blessed. It goes through the things that I want to accomplish, but you speak them as if they're present. And then my my life vision ends with me. And you read it to yourself, by the way. So you're okay. listening to your own voice, tell yourself these things. Mine ends with, God blesses me with success in every facet of my life. Outstanding. Why does that mean so much to you? Can you share with us or are um, you in the video? Yeah. Share? You know, I think sometimes it's easy to get caught up in the crap of the world. And if we focus on things that we don't have control over, oftentimes we can start feeling depressed, overwhelmed, broken. And um, for me, my life vision focuses a lot on things that I can control. And then, of course, giving gratitude because I do believe. God blesses us with the things that we have. I believe everything that we have is actually a gift from him. The only thing we don't is our free agency. And that's the only thing that we can really offer him. Anyway, so for me, it's it's really important because it keeps me grounded every day, helps me recognize that the many great blessings I have in my life aren't necessarily because of who I am. Um, and so maybe it controls my ego a little bit <laughs> <laughs> and keeps me grounded. That's for sure. Now, that level of gratitude, you know, I, I, as I shared with you earlier and uh, before we began our show, that I noticed that you have a personal drive and, and interest in not just helping your, your clients as professionals, but as people. What would you, you know, attribute that level of, well, that one, that level of gratitude, and two, that level of, uh, of, of care to, with your clients? Uh, yeah, so... There's one thing I certainly believe. I think the world is a better place when entrepreneurs have the opportunity to use their resources. 
I think, I, I mean, really the US economy is, on, is built on the back of not necessarily the Fortune 100 companies, but on the backs of the small entrepreneur. Sometimes though, because they're not the big Fortune 100 companies, they one, don't get a lot of attention, two, need, need additional help that maybe the, you know, the bigger companies that get all the attention don't necessarily need or they're able to easily afford it, that type of thing. So in order to move the world forward, I think I would like entrepreneurs to keep as much money as possible for themselves, because by them using it with their entrepreneurial spirit, they're able to then improve the world, improve the economy, all that stuff. So I take that combination of passion and I realize, you know, for most of us, the single largest expense we have in our lifetime is taxes. And while I am, I mean, I'm, I'm a law abiding citizen. I love the many blessings we have in the United States, uh, but there certainly is an area where I feel like the government sometimes really sucks at spending our money. And so let's let's let the entrepreneur keep it. They've been proven to provide better use of that money than the government. I also know from experience dealing with clients, sometimes the IRS has massive overreach. But because they are who they are and someone who doesn't deal with them on a daily basis, they can get pretty freaked out just by getting a simple letter from the IRS. Because now all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, there's this government entity looking at me. It's the big bad IRS. And so they sometimes get away with stuff they shouldn't uh, be able to do. Uh, before we got on, I was telling you, you know, in the world, most can agree that bullying is wrong. Correct. Yes. And we, we do a lot of things to protect our children from being bullied and trying to have school systems that don't allow for that or don't tolerate it. Well, as we get older, sometimes that doesn't change. And now for us adults, sometimes the bully is the IRS and they come in. And unfortunately, these, some of these employees that work for the government, you know, whatever chip is on their shoulder, they just kind of sometimes take it out on us as the taxpayers. And it's not fair. And a lot of times they don't even have the legal ground to do it. So I like the idea of growing the economy by helping entrepreneurs keep their money and protecting them against the IRS who can bully them sometimes. And you do this on a daily basis. At what point, if you can look back as far as you can recall, John, do you feel like this, this really, uh, really mattered to you at a, at a, at a heart level? Well, uh, my experience with bullying happened really young. We're <laughs> in California I mean, obviously, as you can tell, I believe in God and we're pretty religious as a family. Yes. And so uh, of my religion, we were the only ones on the street. And so sometimes it's really fun for the neighborhood kids to pick on the youngest, uh, you know, weirdo, if you will. And I was also kind of overweight as a kid, too. <laughs> so they like to pick on me for that. So I experienced um, some bullying in that regard and actually... It wasn't until a couple of years ago that I realized that's where my passion for protecting people against bullying uh -huh. came from. Yeah. Wow. And so, as a profession, you it looks like, not looks like, I'm sure it is, but just from my um, objective view, that you ha you take a personal interest in the, the lives of your clients as well as people, not just uh, in a transactionary, uh, transactional uh, capacity. Is, is that true or am I reaching a little? No, that's, no, you're not reaching. That's okay. absolutely true. We, one, it's actually good business. Um, I think if you care about your clients and customers, they, they can sense that. And so one, because you're not perfect, I'm certainly not perfect. When we make mistakes, 
they're much more willing to forgive us because they know that we're sincere in what we tried to do. We just maybe made a mistake. So it helps us retain clients better. It actually makes our job a lot more enjoyable if we enjoy talking to the people that we're helping. So uh, yeah, I, I just think it's a good philosophy in life to actually care about the person you're trying to help or make money off of. Can you share with us an experience, you don't have, of course, don't have to name names or even company names if you'd like to, where a client approached you and um, uh, they, were, they were insecure about their finance or, or the, it sounds like maybe every time, but in particular where there's a case where they were really, really unsure of what to do, how to do it, there, there, were, there were problems that they just did not know how to understand, they didn't understand or how to handle. And you kind of, and you didn't kind of, but you did, you guided them to a point where like, wow, I really have a greater understanding of this and, and thank you so much. Yeah. Um, we work a lot with gym owners. Gym owners. Okay. And you know, with the current environment that we're in right now, oh, it's the sorry. first time in our history where government has forced gym owners to close their doors. And I get it. Like I get to understand all that stuff. I'm just saying like they were forced to close, which was they were not planning on that. Revenues hurting. And so, um, you know, we're getting a lot of calls from gym owners asking us because we have a cash flow system that works really well for gym owners. They're there's a lot of uncertainty. One particular client I'm thinking of, he just had a lot of uncertainty because with the current nature, it's like, I can't open my doors. Or if I'm going to be open my doors, my state has said, we're in the last phase. So literally until they feel like they can open up the rest of the state, we're not allowed to do anything. So do I go to virtual? So do I, what do I do? Do I close my doors? Do I fire all my people? Like, you know, there's uncertainty there. And so, you know, you, you talk to them and you get to know them and you realize they have kids, they have a family of their own they're trying to support. But then on top of that, as the owner, they have the stress of also providing for their team members who also have family members that they're trying to support. It's a lot of pressure for an entrepreneur. And they also don't, they just don't have a lot of people to rely on or to talk to. Like they can't, most of the time they don't feel like they can go to their next door neighbor and say, yeah, you know, I. I'm really stressed out because I might have to close my doors and now there's five to 10 people who are out of a job because I have to make the decision to do that. Um, most people think, oh, you're an entrepreneur. You must be filthy rich. <laughs> like, actually, <laughs> you'd be surprised yeah. on the statistics. Yeah, you get to know them. And then what we were able to do with this particular client is we helped them walk through cash flow management and we helped them understand that whatever direction and uncertainty he's feeling, it's actually a byproduct of just not having financial resiliency. And so we teach them and showed him some ways to be financially resilient, even in this scenario where his revenue's down, how to still cut back on non-productive expenses and things like that. And so he, he was able to understand at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what direction he chooses. If he wants to go virtual only, if he wants to keep the gym open and hold on till the state reopens, as long as he has a plan around his cash, he can have the freedom to choose what he wants to do with the direction. And so he, he should just stress out about getting the cash flow management in place first. Then the other stuff is what he can give his full attention to afterwards. Excellent. You're listening to the Entrepreneur's Radio Show and podcast on KZSU Stanford 90.1 FM. We're talking today with John Briggs, CPA, founder and CEO of Insight Tax and Accounting. For more information, feel free to visit Insight 
insighttax.com. Again, that's insighttax.com. John, can we touch back on that cash flow management and how that, uh, you know, obviously it's important, but uh, in particular for your clients, why it's really something that they, they ought to pay a lot of attention to? Well, if anything highlights why they should pay attention to it, it's this current crisis, the, you know, COVID apocalypse. Our clients who had this, uh, we call it Profit First for the record. Mike Michalowicz is the one who wrote the original book. And then I was able to write a derivative book for gym owners. So this cash flow management system, the clients that we've had who have implemented it prior to COVID happening, none of them are freaking out about what's going on. I'm not saying they don't have stress. I'm not saying they don't have issues they need to work through. But financial cash flow is not one of them. Even in the cases where they've had to close locations, one gym member, she literally opened up a second location. And then COVID COVID hit two weeks later. So she had to like shut it down. But because she was using the system, she was financially resilient. And we helped her work through the problems with the second location, like negotiating with the landlord and things like that. But yeah, no stress. And I compare that to the the gym owners who are calling us now who don't, who didn't have the system in place. And it's a totally different conversation because it is like, I don't know how I'm going to cover the bills this month. I don't know how I'm going to put food on my table. You never know when crisis is going to happen. You better prepare for it now. And not to mention if crisis isn't going to happen, the profit first methodology like makes you more profitable because you're paying attention to the right things. You're thinking through things. So, I mean, we can obviously get into details about that, but um, yeah, having a system, if it helps you in a crisis, it's going to help. It's going to be even more valuable outside of a crisis. I like uh, the share with us, the profit first methodology. This is fascinating. Yeah. So in, uh, the summary to think about it is basically your grandmother's envelope system, except we're going to use bank accounts instead of envelopes. The idea being when money comes into your business, that money is already committed to, like there's already commitments on that money. And so like, for example, paying taxes, that's a commitment we're all forced to have. Uh, if I have employees, that's a commitment. I've committed to pay them, my landlord, like those types of things. So money comes in, we say, let's have one bucket, one bank account that just receives your deposits. So I have an income account. Then twice a month, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to put that income into my different buckets. Oh, I've committed to my team members. Let's have a separate bucket for them. going to put that there. I better save for taxes. Okay, let me put that in the tax bucket. Hmm. I should probably pay myself as the owner. You should always pay yourself as your business owner. That's another bucket. Let's put money into that. And the the method is called profit first because you should also be giving yourself a profit for the risk of being the the owner. So there's another bucket for profit. Then of course everything left over can sit in your operating expense account. What that does is it protects us against this law called Parkinson's law. And Parkinson's law says a resource will expand to match the supply. A resource will expand to match the supply. In this case, as an owner, what we're really looking at is your expenses 
will always increase to match the cash available to spend. So we have to give ourselves a visual reality and fake ourselves out that we have less cash available to actually spend. And by putting it in these other buckets first, now when I look at my operating expense account, I can make business decisions based on that number instead of the full number. Especially like if you think about, if, if someone played this out for a year, your tax account is going to start accumulating some money. And if you don't have this system, that money sits in your operating expense account. And you're going to think, wow, I have $15,000, $20,000 I can use for whatever business thing. When in reality, in April, come, when April comes around, it's like, oh, crap, where, where's that 20000 that I owed for taxes? In this case, you have the operating expense bucket. The 20 grand's not sitting there. You make better decisions because you force yourself to be creative and resourceful with, with basically a perceived limitation on cash. With that mindset, I'm going to take a bit of a, a turn here and refer back to your, uh, your connection, your spiritual connection, your connection with God. How much do you feel, if you can even put a percentage on that, does having a faith play in executing this mindset? I'll say this first. Like We definitely have clients who maybe aren't necessarily religious or believe in God. And so the, the system still works for them. Of course. Um, yes. Of course. Yeah. I, my faith, it doesn't require others to believe in God. Like he's there, whether someone believes in him or not. And so because of that, there are universal truths. And uh, I think the Bible, for example, teaches us that, you know, if we respect what we've been given, God blesses us with more because we've proven to be good stewards over that. Um, the parable of the talent, for example, is one where uh, I think it illustrates really pretty well how God looks at people and how they handle the resources he blesses them with. Do, would you consider yourself a steward as well of, of, uh, of people's <laughs> finances, taxes, and everything else? I don't know if you ever thought yourself that way, but in a way, you're, you're a, a vessel that way. Yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, we, they're relying on us for advice. Um, and with taxes being the number one expense people have in their lifetime, you know, if we give them bad advice, that's uh, a lot of extra cash that goes out. Like I said, I don't think the government's really the best resource to spend our money. So yeah, I, I definitely feel some responsibility to making sure that we're helping our clients grow their wealth. And, and you know, with that means we need to be on our A game and give them good advice and then you know, speak up when we make a mistake and try to make it right. On that uh, A game and government and uh, and entrepreneurs, what in your experience, I guess you can, if you summarize the difference between someone who's a, say a government employee versus an entrepreneur in your experience and your, your vision, your thoughts? Um, this is stereotyping and I know it's not fair. I'm sure there's some really great people who work for the government. Uh, in my experience, the IRS auditors that I've had to deal with are not those people. I don't. I don't know what it is. I somebody wronged them. It seems oh. like in an in a life, and like they're just going to take it out on the rest of the world. Um, they definitely have a mindset of uh, everything that they're looking at is theirs, and I I literally have not met an auditor that doesn't make you feel like you've cheated them somehow. Like personally, somehow you've cheated the auditor. Um, where the entrepreneur, I mean, you're looking at it, 
And entrepreneurship to me is nothing more than taking a resource at one level and giving it a higher plane. Like you're just improving the resource. And that's what entrepreneurs do. Um, so they're taking the risk. They understand what it's like to have to trust people. It's just, it's honestly almost completely opposite mindsets. One is where you're taking from me. The other one is how can I create value in the world? Ooh, those are definitely different um, <laughs> mindsets. This is the Entrepreneur's Radio Show and Podcast on KZSU Stanford 90.1 FM. We're talking today with John Briggs, CPA, founder and CEO of Insight Tax and Accounting. For more information, feel free to visit the website of insighttax.com. That's the insighttax.com. John, the, the, it will go touch back on the uh, financial resiliency and the system. Can you share with us, you know, how you, either you, you did a bit, but uh, go into it a little bit of a deep dive into that, please. So when someone starts with a system, generally they're not financially resilient and there's a lot of just past baggage emotionally. Um, I, when I started the Profit First system, I remember... Um, sitting down twice a month, my money's in my income account, I'm transferring it out. And oftentimes, I wouldn't have enough money because you go in order, right? You're, you are deposit, you're first putting money in a profit account, your owner's pay account, then tax. And the leftover goes to operating expense, not the other way around, because you want to make sure you pay yourself first. Well, the first year that I ran it, it seemed like many times, the money I was putting into my operating expense account was not going to be enough to cover my bills. And that's stressful. And um, if I wasn't a believer in the system and seeing how it can help, I probably would have given up. And I think some people do because they're like, this isn't working. The reality is that is how it works. The fact that you don't have enough cash or you don't have enough cash to cover the bills that you have due when you follow the system, that means the system's working because it's telling you your business has more expenses than it can afford. It's forcing you to be a steward over that money and say, okay, what am I currently spending or what do I currently owe that really isn't benefiting my business? Because until this point, I had this perception, this misconception that my business was fine and I could afford these expenses. But it turns out I actually shouldn't have these. My business can't afford these. And so... By doing that, you then start getting like a really financially fit business. You're cutting off the excess fat. You now have profitability. And that's where resiliency comes from. It comes from this scenario where you, I mean, really, you have to have more money left over, right? Your income has to exceed your expenses. If not, you're not going to be able to be resilient because resiliency is the ability to transition and have the resources available to help you out of any situation. And if you don't have cash left over to do that, it's just never going to happen. So the system basically kind of forces you to save in some ways, but it also forces you to hear what the business is trying to tell you, which is you probably have some expenses that have to be cut. If you can go uh, touch on the emotional baggage and how it relates to the finance, because I thought it was really interesting that you said that, that there's emotional baggage and it's attached to it. Can you share with that? Yeah. Um, the first thing that comes to mind, you know, we as the business owner accepted the expense. At some point in our life, we 
we took it on and we said, this is a good expense for me to have. Well, if we then have to go back and our business can't afford it anymore, we're basically telling ourselves, you made a bad decision. And sometimes when you have a bad decision, you just, uh, you hold on to it. You are going to relive other past bad decisions. So there's, there's emotional baggage in that regard. I think also just the way we grow up, somehow we end up having our own money blueprint. It could be the way our parents taught us about money. It could be uh, some mentor in your life who meant something to you and they taught you about money. Um, it could be siblings and the way they've lived and how money's shown up in their life. Um, I think we all have emotional baggage when it comes to finances. It sometimes hinders our ability to make good decisions. And that's one of the reasons why I love the Profit First system is because it kind of takes the emotion out of it and just presents it to you in a pretty black and white, straightforward scenario. You either have enough money for your expenses or you don't. And if you don't, you need to make a change and you need to make the change now instead of somehow hoping something's going to change in the outcome, even though your input doesn't change. How about teaching this to youth? Have, uh, I'm sure you know your children. You do, but is this and can it be at least at a uh, you know in some framework taught to uh, to children? Yeah, I mean, in the profit first organization, there are lots of profit first professionals. I'd be shocked if there's not someone in there who's figured out how to present this to children. Um, it, it, I think, I, I frankly think this should be taught in schools. Like, why, why not have this in your uh, economic class in high school or something like that? I mean, it just makes sense because the business principles apply to your personal life as well. It's the same deal. You, you have to be able to make more money than you're spending. And if you're not doing that, you got to cut back on your, your spending. You know, you, yeah, some people really like the high in the high in tootin lifestyle, you know, well, some, most of us can't afford that that we see on TV. That's okay. We can still be happy. <laughs> yeah, that's really. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think teaching the kids, uh, I think teaching kids this principle would be it's great. Definitely should happen. What would you like to share, John, that we haven't touched on in our show? And I, I'd like to invite you to future show. I think it'd be terrific. This is vital. Um, what would you like to share, at least today, that we may not have touched on that you feel is uh, is important to your audience? Um, you know, if. If business owners find themselves in a service-based business, especially the ones that relate to serving someone on a health, wellness, that type of level, gym owners are one of those, but nurses and hospitals contract a lot of people who are, it's the individual, but it's barely his own business. A lot of times, if there's kind of a charitable component to what we do. So like for the gym owner, as an example, they save lives. People come in through their doors, potentially overweight on a crap load of medication that really is a Band-Aid solution. And by helping them get fitter, helping them dial in their nutrition, they lose weight, they get off the medication. They've given years to that person, not to mention the additional energy that they have. So now their family life is better. Now their family tree can improve. Sometimes when there's a charitable component to what are the value that we bring, those owners have been known to fall on the sword and tell themselves, 
I'm saving lives. I don't necessarily need to be paid for it. And I would argue that they deserve to be profitable. If someone's in that situation, I want you to know you deserve to be profitable. What you're doing, the value you create, there's nothing wrong with wanting that or having that exchanged back to you. And so, because what I've seen is if someone doesn't end up getting paid for a long amount of time, they burn out and they stop and they move on. Guess what? That's now a person who was saving lives, who's no longer saving lives just because they didn't have enough cash to support their lifestyle and they got burnt out. So there has to be enough income so that the person doesn't get burnt out. But I mean, generally the message is they deserve to be profitable too. Even if they're saving lives, they deserve to be profitable. Excellent. John, it's been a real honor and pleasure having you on the show. Thank you very much. And I, and I mean that I'd love to have you on in the very near future. You've been just terrific. This is really valuable. Thanks for having me. This was great. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Entrepreneur's Radio Show and Podcast. Today, our guest has been John Briggs, CPA, founder and CEO of Insight Tax and Accounting. John graduated from Brigham Young University with a Master of Accountancy in Tax. He's worked on corporate taxes and trust in Orange County, California, as well with Deloitte & Touche, one of the four largest national accounting firms. Insight Tax and Accounting provides uh, they provide the premier proactive tax and accounting experience to small business owners and individuals for more information feel free to visit their website at insighttax.com that's insighttax.com join us again next time when we welcome another purpose-driven entrepreneur or high-performing game changer committed to ideas positive outcomes and a better world i'm tom dior the Entrepreneur's radio show and podcast is recorded at Stanford University Studios in Palo Alto, California, and on location. The chief audio engineer is Eris Chikopoulos. Chief engineer is Mark Lawrence, and we are all assisted by Peter Caroline and Omar L. Sabrao. And the executive producer and host of The Entrepreneur's Show is Tom Dior. If you wish to contact us, our email is interviews at kzsu.stanford.edu. Again, that's interviews at kzsu.stanford.edu. 